0: Elizabeth Barrett is a wife, mother, grandmother, licensed marriage and family therapist, educator, eavesdropper, and emotion worker. And she uses all of these skills to address the subjects that we're all grappling with in this conversation with the reluctant therapist.
1: Welcome to a brand new
0: New Year, Elizabeth.
1: Happy, happy Tuesday. <laughs> also, I was like, where am I right now? It is a New Year, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. This is our first
0: live show of the, of the New Year. I hope your uh, break was a good one.
1: I had a very nice break. Um, lots of family time, which was wonderful, and now I am ready to get back at it. First day of classes yesterday went really well, so I was happy about that. You know, the, the quarter sips system is wonderful because – If things aren't great, you get a do-over every 10 weeks. (laughs) It's like, well, that didn't go so well. So I really love the do-overs. And I say that often on the show. I love a do-over. I love my birthday, do-over. Our anniversary, do-over. Like every time there's kind of a a, a moment of of transition, I really like the stepping into what the possibilities are for that. Yeah, it's another
0: uh, way to get it right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or or make it uh, different, I guess is – is also <laughs> it, especially with uh classes if i it goes so quickly and if i misstep into my lectures at the beginning or i don't connect with the students as well it can be bumpy the whole way through um, but this quarter came in with it great attitude i'm ready to go um but part of the the fun break because I had quite a long one was getting to spend time with my family and my siblings, which you don't get to do regularly throughout the year. And I ended up um, getting to spend some alone time just with my brother. We got to drive up to visit my family, my parents. Uh, We do an annual family meeting. So just my parents and then the three siblings without our spouses and without our children, which is really fun uh, because that core five gets together and we can, you know, have conversations without worry about hurting anyone's Feelings or just kind of hash things out, so it 's a yearly event the the core five meeting. so my brother came up and we drove up to monterey together and had to hang out the night before and it's it's so fun to have conversations that go beyond you know your fifteen or twenty minute check in phone calls, and you know you kind of cover the same business every time, but when you have a full forty eight hours together, you get into like the deeper things still after being siblings for you know sixty years one of us will say something, oh, I didn't know that about you. And so it's fun to still kind of get to know each other in these different times in our life. So one of the things I was telling my brother about is how much I love the show, the documentary Quarterbacks, which is on Netflix. And it follows um, Patrick Mahomes from Kansas City and Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. And I have gotten really vested in it. Now, the funnier part about This documentary is that I found out about it from my eight-year-old granddaughter, (laughs) who also loves the show Quarterback, so we can chat about it. But the thing that I loved about the show, and it's kind of the theme of the show today, is probably not the reason why Netflix did the documentary, but it's what I have taken away from it. What I love about it is the partnerships and the marriages between Patrick Mahomes and his wife and Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. That it's that partnership, that teamwork between the spouses. Like they're, they're power families, and you know I feel bad for Brittany Mahomes because she gets a lot of stink in the uh, Twitterverse <laughs> yep. and a lot of pushback, and that's a bummer. Um, because whenever you're you know someone of any sort of public stature, you're going to get that. But below that, whatever the criticism is, when you watch these, and again, I realize this is television, and I realize that when we're looking at celebrity couples or you know sports couples, that they protect their image quite a bit. I get all of that, but even below that, before they had their image and before they were you know the celebrity couples, there was some. Contract that they made, either consciously or unconsciously, because I think uh, I don't know if a lot of people make conscious contracts when they get married, which again is the topic of today's show. But when I when I watch the teamwork, how they have each other's back, and how they you know think about and plan, hey, this is how much time you're going to have in the NFL, and so we need to be you know making investments, or we need to think about what team we're going to go to. That it looks like a very unified decision that they're making, what's in the best interest of, you know, the career and then but also of the family and then also of what the the goals they have as a couple. I just find it really inspiring. um, Because I think it's one of the pieces of modern marriage that isn't talked enough about that besides falling in love with someone besides, you know, having that sense of wanting to live a life, to to grow old together. That's kind of the common thing people say. I just, I want to grow old with this person. Hopefully there's a lot of time between this falling in love and growing old together. (laughs) Like, what is that in between parts? We're raising children, which in the scheme of a 60-year marriage is kind of a small part of it. It can be a blip. So what is the purpose of this marriage, of this union between two people? And so today, I want to talk about kind of the not the full history of marriage, but how marriage has shifted and changed to where we are in twenty twenty four. Where on, on in some demographics, marriages have declined, and unfortunately, marriages have declined in those demographics of people who actually would most benefit from being married: those in lower socioeconomic status, lower levels of education, lowest. Lower access to resources. Um, those couples, those families actually benefit from marriage the most because there are resources that are available, there's more incomes, you have someone to, a partner to help you because you can't afford childcare. Like that demographic really benefits from the contract of marriage, and yet they have the highest divorce rate. In many cases, over 51% of those marriages end in divorce which then creates like long-term instability for the children of those marriages and it just becomes a generational issue uh, because strong marriages beget strong marriages, successful families beget successful families. And so that's a tragedy in in the history or story of marriage. But on the other end of the spectrum – the marriages that are thriving that have a 19% divorce rate, which is really low, are those families that are more homogamous. Those are people who marry someone who has a similar education, a similar socioeconomic status, similar um career goals, and they have, you know, opportunities built into that partnership. And so those marriages since the 1970s, the second wave of feminism, have really been thriving, and they actually are more successful uh, than those marriages of the 50s and 60s. And so, I want to talk about what shifted and how can we take that model of what would be considered the power couple? How do we take that and maybe transition that to a wider uh, spectrum of marriages <clears throat> because the ones that also struggle are kind of those mid mid range middle class marriages that tend to get you know most bogged down with trying to keep a roof over their head and having to have two incomes and you know the stress and struggles of parenting and all that goes along with that. Um, those couples start off with such great uh, love and hopes and desire for what their life is going to be like and made the common goal of raising their children. But quite often, they stumble along the way, because they lack that vision of what what are we doing here, you know, after the the love fades a bit, what do we do? So I want you to think about your marriage. And why is it you chose this person. But beyond that, what is the purpose, the contract of this union? Because a marriage is separate than the two individuals. I I love to use the um, analogy of your marriage being a plant. (laughs) (laughs) And that you have, you know, this plant, this marriage plant that you're taking care of, and it takes water, and it takes sunshine, it takes attention and care. And if the plant isn't getting that, it starts to wilt or fall or can even die. And so a marriage is separate from the two individuals that come into it. You come into the marriage and you join this union that, again, is separate from your life as an individual, and you build upon that. So think about your marriage and whether your plant is thriving, or maybe your plant is struggling, or maybe you don't even recognize that a plant exists. Because another one of the big challenges for modern day marriage is this idea that we should never be fully uh, too attached to another person. And if we are, then we run the risk of, you know, being decimated when the marriage ends. And so if you go into the marriage not fully engaged, then you already are have a higher likelihood of having that marriage end. So I'd love you to think about what are the tenets of your marriage or your marital contract that you made, and even if it's not that formal, think about how it is you operate with your spouse. You know what 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 is your teamwork? What is the common goals that you have? What is it that keeps you together? And that's what we're going to open up the phone lines and talk about today. Or what are the what are the realities of what it is to be married, and how do we make it work? Because we spend a lot of time talking about why it doesn't work, or families that are in trouble, or couples that are in trouble. But it's really important to talk about the ones that are working. And if your marriage is working well, why is it? Think about it. Because there are some maybe unconscious things that you're doing really well that are maintaining the health of that relationship. So that's where we're going today. This is A Conversation with a Reluctant Therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and our number is 805-781-3875 to join the conversation. You can also reach me after the show by sending me an email to elizabeth at Therapist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. I have a photo of my honey and I on Instagram today, and you can leave us messages there as well um, if you'd like to share your thoughts. But I'd really love to hear from you. Uh, on the phone today, because we are here ready to chat. For now, we're going to take a quick break and come back and continue this conversation. You're listening to Central Coast Public Radio, KCBX.
2: She keeps it simple, and I am thankful for her kind of loving, because it's simple. No longer do we wonder if we're together We're way past that And I've already asked her So in January we're getting married
1: This is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and we're going to talk about why we get married. Or mm, maybe I'd love to know why it is we get married. But it's really beyond that. If we're looking at marriage as a lifelong commitment, and that is kind sort of the essence of marriage, unless you say ahead of time, "Hey, why don't we get married for eight years and then just call it good?" Okay. You know, maybe you have that contract written in, but. The idea behind marriage is that you're pair bonding with someone uh, for the extent, you know, for the rest of your life. And and what does that take? It's really easy to, to pick at the pair bonding mode of uh, relationships because when so many people struggle with it. Uh, and so when we struggle with something, it's easier to turn around and say, well, marriage was never meant to be for your whole life because life is too long and no one should be with one person for that amount of time. But there certainly are a lot of people who do stay together for a long period of time. As a matter of fact, there's a category of marriage called longevous marriages, which are those that are 50 years and longer. And those that are in a longevous marriage, um, they break it down into categories. And a third of the people that say they're uh, in a longevous or in a marriage, a third of them say, uh, "We are still blissfully in love, happy to be married to this person, feel the passion that we've had our entire life." Another third of the marriages say, "You know, we have this nice companionate marriage. We're comfortable together. It works. We have a history." We're doing okay. And then a third of the marriages say, "Eh, I'm I'm not really happy in this marriage, but it's been too long and I'm too afraid to leave and I really don't want to be here. So statistically, two-thirds of those people who have been in a marriage for 50 years or longer are feeling okay about it. And that's really not the narrative we hear enough about. The other thing that's kind of interesting about those 50-year-plus marriages is that when you ask the couples what is it that kind of makes it work or why have you stayed together so long, more often they will say, well, my spouse is my favorite companion, my favorite company, the person that I most enjoy spending time with. And these couples will say that they spend the majority of their time together, which is counter to our current narrative or story around marriage where that we need to have two individuals with two totally separate lives and they happen to you know live together and share children um, that's that's kind of an out growth of the last couple feminist movements and also the more modern society we've come into and one other sneaky little thing that no one really talks about is that one of the unintended consequences of the last two waves of feminism was this idea that we don't live for our relationships, we live for our career, and that we're raising this next generation of young people to believe that what they choose is their vocation, their career, is what will be their identity and will be the most important thing that they do in their lifetime. Unfortunately, when we put everything into that as being the most important part of our life, that means other things have to give. And The things that usually get taken away are healthy, long-lasting relationships. And most people aren't going to walk on their children. They're going to walk on the marriage when the pressure of keeping that career and having that be the most important thing stands uh, in the way. So the challenges of modern marriage is partly the narrative of how we're supposed to live and kind of forgetting that for many many years and starting in the 19th century I'll talk a little bit about that the idea of marriage was to choose a mate a partner a pair bond that becomes your most important person in your life more important than your extended family or your friends or your career that they were supposed to be the most important so that's kind of where we are today our number is 805-781-3875 what is the state of your life Claudia thanks for calling in hi hi Hi.
3: (laughs) So um, I'm on my way to pick up my daughter from school, but um, my husband and I, we celebrated uh, our 25th wedding anniversary yesterday. Congratulations. And uh, and, um, the odds for our marriage to survive, it was really high. Um, We're a bicultural um, couple. I'm from Mexico. He's from the States. And also we have an age difference of over 15 years. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, family friends, they thought, oh no, the marriage is not going to survive or what are you doing? But really, when, when we met um, and decided to get married to my husband, one of the things that um, i did is that i admire him
4: mm, mm-hmm. and i
3: think for him it was the same it was reciprocal mm-hmm. and we didn't have like top jobs or careers he was a school teacher and i was uh in at my family's bed and breakfast mm-hmm. so um i i think when you get married, and we are totally opposite Mm-hmm. Like, um, we took a personality test the other day, and we are like oil and water. <laughs> so I think it's we complement each other really well. Um, for our marriage to survive, it, it has not been easy, but I think we have the commitment mm-hmm. to make it work.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's my advice. Someone that you love, that you will continue year after year the commitment to, to survive. And, and, and you have to work, like you said, watering a plant. Mm-hmm. It has to be constant. And now with kids, um, yes, it was difficult when they were little. Um, we have to share the same parenting system. And, um, but we just, we did it. You so, did it. Um
1: and Claudia, I love That's that you said I love that, and I also love that she said that you had mat- kind of a mutual admiration for each other, and I think that also is a great foundation that you do respect who the other is and want to be with them, admire who they are. I love that.
3: Yes, and um, we cannot change. He cannot change me. Yes. I cannot change him. Yes. we have to to accept the person of who they are and of course throughout marriage all of us we have changed um in different ways but still we are the same claudia or the same john that we were when we met
1: that's beautiful um,
3: priorities have changed um it, we have gone through uh, really tough um illnesses and that's when you realize this is your, your partner. Yes. For life, in the good and in the bad times. Yeah. So I'm I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed, and I will be sharing this with my husband. He's not with me right now.
1: Well, I hope you do, and I hope you enjoy your next 25 years. And thank you so much for listening and calling in.
3: Yes, and thank <laughs> you for. I really, when I'm on my way to pick up my my kids from school, I really love your show. Thank you for. Um, how you what you do for us thank we you I Claudia. Really appreciate it.
1: call again thank you well that's always nice here 25 years is wonderful and 25 years more it'd be a whole different life and story 805-781-3875 is our number and melanie thanks for calling in well hi there hi there thanks what's for on having <laughs> what's on your mind today Well, um, I'm actually married to the guy there in the studio next to you. Oh, okay. There we go. And
5: and I was listening and thought I would chime in because there was a couple things you said that really resonated with me. First first of all, before you even got into your subject, it was the idea of a do-over, which I thought was really great because you know that that is so much a huge part of marriage. I think Mm. Um, as you go through the years together you know, nothing's perfect. You try to make it perfect, but you know, we're humans, so it doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes mistakes are made and things don't go the way they're planned. And I love the idea of what you said, you know, you can do it over. Mm-hmm. There's always another opportunity to come together and, and go, okay, what didn't work about that? And let's let's start that over. Let's Let's regroup and do this thing again, or, or plan another thing. Or you know, so I, I loved that the idea of the do-over. I think really, really speaks to a long-term marriage. Yes. Well, and I, the other thing, oh, I'm sorry, go
1: ahead. Well, i just going to add in there. The, one of the other things I love about the do-over is the the kind of recommitment or remarriage part. You know, because a lot of people get married one time and then they're just bouncing along. And I love the idea of kind of that that commitment vows or the re, you know the remarriage piece that re-signing up for. Um, so every oh, well, year on my okay. anniversary, my husband and mm-hmm. I have that conversation. It's like it's the one day where the door opens, and it's like, okay, today's the day you get to leave if you know you're not into it or we sign up for another year and then we kind of make that recommitment but so a do-over
5: right well brad and i actually did that too um we we did a recap so we've been together for 30 something years now 32 31 32 and we renewed our vows last year which was kind of cool it's really Um, fun but and that that also goes back to to me thinking about something else you said which is you kind of have to think about who you are and what you want out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. And Brad and I had a lot of practice leading up to our original marriage because we were actually together for 15 years before we tied the knot. We had a lot of time to really think, you know, (laughs) who we are and what we want out of this. And I think for us, the main, I mean, there's a lot of things, but I think, I, and I don't know if Brad will agree with this or not, but I think we are so simpatico and we have each other's backs. Like, we, when we started out, we had nothing, like literally nothing. And um, we just sort of like have bucked the trend through the years. You know, we've just, the two of us, who thick and thin, have just stuck together. Whether the difficult times, and for, in the beginning we had more difficult times than, than easy ones, and as the years gone have gone by, they've gotten easier for us, I mean, you know, financially and the work and all that stuff. But I think the two of us made that commitment to be like, we're going to be in this together, you and me against the world, and we're going to persevere and here
1: we are here you are congratulations and I love that money because it leads into the next piece I want to talk about which is the importance of having uh, a marital mission statement or a vision so thank you for calling and a happy another year for you and Brad um, One of the things I love to do is premarital counseling. It's my side hustle. And so I love working with couples that are, you know, before they've jumped into the fray, because there really is a science behind what makes a marriage work and what are the tools you need as a couple that you can apply when you inevitably get into those tough times. As Melanie was saying, you know, and also Claudia was saying, it's tough at the beginning raising kids and establishing your home and going through, you know, those growing pains. The, the average divorce period for couples, it's two really dangerous times. One is after the first and second year. And the other one is after year seven and eight and, and, There's reasons for both, but the seven and eighth year is is a common one because those first years of growing together are really challenging because you're building your external life, you know, getting your career and getting your life settled and finding your home and maybe having your kids. All of that is just busy, 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 and it's nonstop, and it's easy to lose each other and lose your way. Um, And so... In the, after those difficult times or through those difficult times, what really helps and what I love to do in my premarital counseling work is help couples develop a mission statement because marriage is quite like starting a business. You are taking on uh, this lifelong commitment to building your brand as a couple to just go full marketing I'll go full out marketing with it but at each couple kind of has their brand what they're known for how people know them as a couple um, how they kind of like to be seen and the things they like to do and so while you're thinking about creating this life together you need to be creating a mission statement Because you're starting this business and no one starts a business and just opens the doors and invites people in because it'll fail. And no bank is going to loan money to someone who comes in and says, hey, I'd like to start this, you know, business on the site. Could I have $100,000? They're going to say, what's your plan? How do you know you're going to succeed? What are your strategies for, you know, getting through tough times? then they'll loan you money. So marriages are quite, you know, it's not as sexy, but are quite like that, where you're saying, hey, let's start this business together. Um, let's, let's see how we do. But you need to have the tools to be successful. And one of those tools is a marriage mission statement or a vision of what it is you're going to accomplish. And I have my couples write it out or put it on a sampler. One of my couples did a beautiful wood-burning of their uh, mission statement, and you hang it in your house. And so whenever you start to get mm, out of sync, or you're struggling in some way, you go to the mission statement, and you read those words, and more than likely, you are not living up to one of those mission statements or vision statements that you've made, and that's where you go to make a correction. For example, a couple vision statements that, that, that people have put into their uh, family contract is, um, we love each other above all else, including family, friends, career, and money. Well, if you find yourself starting to struggle and you don't know why and you're feeling out of sync, you might look at that and say, oh, you know what? We're spending way too much time at work or, you know, we're fighting over how much time we're spending with our family. We're not loving each other above all else. And that's a great place to start. Uh, Another vision statement is um, to always love each other and to have each other's back, which I love that Melanie said that without any prompting, that when you have someone else's back, then no matter how off the road they might be, you're behind them going, okay, honey, we're all in this together. I have your back through thick and thin. Um, so So think about that. What would be some marital mission statements or visions that you're living that you don't even realize are the foundation of your relationship? The one that uh, overrides our entire family, our family motto, is we show up. And that that is how we move through life as not just a couple, but as a family, that without question, without hesitation, whatever happens, we show up and take it from there. Our number is 805-781-3875. Daryl, thanks for waiting. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) What's on your mind?
6: Well, I just thought listening to you. My wife and I have been together now 47 years. Congratulations. Thank you. We um, renewed our vows on our 40th and went to Hawaii to do it. And I married my best friend. Mm. And that's what I tell people now. You know, best friends fight. Don't quit talking to each other for a month. (laughs) But you're best friends. And so, you know, thick or thin... I know she's got my back and vice versa. And and just an example, years and years ago in Shell Beach, we were playing pool, and I was challenged by a fellow who uh, told me after uh, I went and missed my first shot to hang my pool cue up. And I said, no, I'd rather play out the game. And him and two other fellows stood up, and what they didn't realize is they were facing me, my wife was facing, behind them with her pull cue, swung back over her arm, and was going to take two of them out.
1: Without question.
6: Without question. I mean, I was so and I was like looking at her going, oh, my, oh, my. And the two suddenly realized what was happening, and the fellow that was doing all the talking angrily said, oh, the heck with this. And they all walked out of the bar.
1: There you go. That's when someone literally has your back.
6: (laughs) Yes. So this woman, I will do anything for.
1: Oh, that's beautiful, Daryl. And what would you say is the one key fun that you have together after 46 years? What's the thing that you most look forward to?
6: Oh, we both love music. Mm -hmm. Um, She's always trying to drag me to some show or other in Cambria. But mm-hmm. there's some really good live shows going on there.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, but we both like to read, and I don't know, Just we just sit together now and talk. Yeah, good for
1: you. Well, yeah. I appreciate you calling in, and you're kind of leading us to the next part of the conversation, which is what are those things that make us a team, those things that we uh, kind of stand for and do together? So, Daryl, thank you for calling in. You're only four years away from the Longevist marriage there, so... Yep.
6: And another uh, trip to Hawaii to redo our vows again.
1: Absolutely, I hope you do. Thanks for calling and thanks for listening. This is a conversation with a the reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and today we're talking about why we get married and what is the what is the. Role of marriage. What is that work that we do when we become a couple? What is that contract that we're making with each other? And all successful marriages, whether you're conscious of it or not, have some sort of contract, some way that they are teammates and partners, and they've created a business of their life together, a brand that helps them be successful. So, what's yours? Uh, We're going to take a quick break, come back and reset ourselves. You're listening to Central Coast Public Radio, KCBX. And
4: hoping, and thinking, and
2: praying, planning, and dreaming Each night of his charms, that won't get you into his arms So if you're looking to find love, you can share All you gotta do is hold him, and kiss him, and love him, and show him that you care
1: I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. And I was thinking, Brad, I don't know if we're kicking off our 15th year on the air or our 16th. I'm not sure where we are. And I often think we should do some sort of anniversary or recognition of how long this has gone on because um, I just – I love – the stories and I love the continuity and I love the resets. Like, where are we? It's January. How long have we been doing this show?
0: Well, you know, as uh, KCBX approaches its 50th year in broadcasting, certainly you've had your piece of that and I think that's a, a really good idea to to recognize and celebrate that.
1: I know. We'll have to do some searching. Let's talk about it, it. So today we're talking about the marriage contract and, and the good news about marriage and why it works because mostly we talk about divorce and marriages that don't work and what a struggle it is. And and that is a narrative that is real um, for a certain segment of the population. But there is a large segment of the population that thrives in marriage that really does well. And the statistics behind married couples and their health and well-being are are pretty astounding. For as much negativity there is about that partnering for life, those who have been married for long periods of time uh, have better health lower risk for uh, addiction behavior, lower risk for early mortality. They have a higher sense of well-being and they also have a stronger sense of self-esteem because there's something about being in a partnership and being chosen and making this life. It makes people feel special that they have a purpose and an identity as this couple. And it's unfortunate because, again, a lot of the modern narrative is you shouldn't wrap your identity around your marriage or another person. It should be all about you. It should all be about your own accomplishments. And then there's this person you kind of live parallel lives with. But if you look at the research behind and again, those long-term successful marriages. And just as Daryl was saying, those couples are married to their best friend. That's the person they want to be with most above all else. Um, I only half-jokingly say in my classes every quarter that I had children, so I'd have something to do while Chris was at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now that they're grown and launched and, you know, it's it's still that. That is that is my person. This is where I like to be the most. When we go to parties, we always end up talking to each other anyway, so I don't know why we go. And <laughs> and f- through this certain period of time of the therapeutic world, you know, there was this emphasis on not being too connected and that you had the risk of divorce and it was going to, you know, ruin your life. Um, so unfortunately, so many people for a whole new Two generations didn't get fully vested in marriage, and as a result, we saw higher, higher rates of divorce. But interestingly, this millennial generation is turning the tide just a little bit. Their marriages are stronger and more long-lasting, but there are also less people getting married, which also helps the statistics, because a lot of people who don't get married probably shouldn't have gotten married. Right. Our number is 805-781-3875. What is the secret to successful marriages? uh barry thanks for waiting you're on the air
7: hey elizabeth good to see you i got i was in the car when i called but i'm home so you have annie and barry you got a double pack here the
8: double couple oh i can't wait to hear the secrets to your success
7: i want to hear it one is you can do the second one okay it's your your (laughs) dad um the the first one that i'm going to bring is don't believe everything you think
1: all (laughs) right you need to you need to describe you need to explain that barry Yes.
7: If I, and I'm just going to use eyes because I don't know about your listeners, but if I believe something and I go to bat for it, mm-hmm. quite often given a chance to really think about it and dialogue about it, and um, the sooner I can really talk about what I'm thinking about with my wife, the more apt it is to be real versus me silently holding some thought and believing it, believing it, believing it, and her going, hey, what are you doing? And I go, oh, no, this is the truth. Hmm. So, We try and talk early and often.
8: I I think, so. you're just saying that I – you're opening the possibility that I can change your mind. Yes.
7: Well, you know me well. Yeah, you know me well. So uh, I I have in my life believed things too strongly, and then upon thinking about them, they're not really what I want to go to bat for.
1: Yeah. So you like having that counter person who can talk you through uh, maybe a potentially challenging issue before you get there.
7: Yeah. And then trust built in relationships. You know, it's like this person's known me well over half my life and uh, just has a lot of history on me that isn't from inside my brain looking out, but instead outside looking in. So it's, it's really good to just test what I think I believe.
1: I love that you said that, too, because one of the key components of a long-lasting, long successful marriage is that someone witnesses your life, that you have someone who's on the outside looking in and watching you and witnessing that you lived and had a life. And that is such a fulfilling piece that we rarely talk about. So I'm so glad you brought it up because I would have forgotten that part of the beauty of marriage is that someone witnesses that you lived. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah. Yeah, wow, well, it's well said. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, the not my... One, we'll keep it quick. Uh, Annie... That's
8: your second one, but I have another one, too. Okay. Annie,
7: <laughs> this isn't our show. Annie's first, <laughs> Annie's father-in-law was a great marriage and family counselor, and we were married 15 years before we had our son, our only son. He's 21 now, but um, we had him sort of detest all his all her dad's theories. Yeah, what
8: what <laughs> he, he said was, you know, you can learn from your spouse but they can't teach you anything. And that's really been an important yeah. concept for us so that we aren't trying to shove some idea or or way of doing something down each other's throats, but we model, we provide information. And that creates an opportunity, at least for me, to be more open to then to his ideas.
1: I love I, that. I know
8: I can learn from him.
1: Right, that you're not getting forced uh, change, but you can see it and see if it fits for you and make the adjustments. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And then what was the other one, Annie? What was yours?
8: Oh, you know, I think it's like anything in life. When it gets a little difficult or challenging, I think we sort of have, uh, at least in the American culture, we try to avoid discomfort. And I believe that our deepest challenging, our hardest challenging moments were also when we went the deepest in our relationship and grew from. And to stick in there, stick with the tough stuff.
1: Yeah, I know. And I think that's also a great message that it's in the completely falling apart that we have the opportunity to rebuild. And a lot of couples in their fear of losing what they have never challenge the structure. And so they bounce along in this slight sense of misery or dissatisfaction or Mm. things are well, because Mm. they fear the crumbling. They don't trust that you can crumble and rebuild. And so they get stuck. And there is, I think that's why it's important to have these like marriage weekends. Remember the the olden days uh, where they had the couples weekends, people don't do it as often anymore where you can have, where you have enough time to get in there and, and, get through some of the dirt and then you know grow a new tree i'm really into my metaphors today but for my husband um, and i it was a yearly trip to las vegas because it's you know a six and a half hour drive and so we'd get into stuff we'd have enough time to get into it then we'd have a little fun to re you know kind of nurture each other and then on the drive back it was all about the new fun things we were going to do it kind of became that awesome. reset so good it's a nice pattern. You know. Yeah, I think we're overdue, though, as we're talking about it. So, <laughs> so how many you, years How many years have you been I'm together? In, it's yes.
7: like a two-way for Annie is um, ha- make a good, committed marriage your plan A if you're going to do it and don't have a plan B.
1: Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> you couldn't have said it better because it's the thing that I'm most trying to drive home is that if you go in with one foot already out, then you might as well not go in. Because you have right. to be, you have to be willing to be devastated. Because if you truly yep. love someone and you are committed and you've built your life around them, if that person dies or the marriage ends, you should feel devastated. Because that's a testament to the depth of the love you had. Mm, mm. Yeah. I know. Yeah, great show. Thanks Thank for you. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for calling. Call care. anytime. <laughs> this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and we're talking about the positives of marriage and that contract and what it looks like. And so I started the show talking about my... Uh, love of the documentary Quarterback following the lives of Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. And it had nothing to do really with their talent on the football field. I got really into the story of their relationships and that clearly they've made contracts together. They've had a vision. They sit up at night and say, all right, you've got eight years in the NFL. We're going to put aside this money. We're going to raise these kids. We're building the structure for our future and business together. I, I love that because it's so essential to long-term committed relationships. Another documentary, I'm going to start listing my guilty pleasures of documentaries. Here we go. Here we go. So the David Beckham one also I love because he and... Which spice is he married to? I can never remember, but scary spice. Uh, David Beckham, they have a clear partnership and they've been through some public humiliation and infidelity threats. And like they've gone through stuff publicly, but they still have their team, they have their family. That's their first and primary responsibility to each other. And you can see that. And, you know, other like partnership, companionate marriages. People look at someone like Bill and Hillary Clinton or FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt. like, why are they together? They, there's nothing you know, between the two of them. But clearly they had a mission statement. They came into this marriage and said, here's what we're going to accomplish. We have these goals in common. And outside of everything else, we're the team. We're the people that are going to make this work. We're building this kind of legacy. And then the interesting thing about building these strong, kind of committed, focused, intentional marriages is that you then bring children into the world who grow up in that same set of values, that same set of intentions. Um, And so I mentioned you know, we have a family motto of we show up. And it's not just my husband's and mine. It's actually my parents, my siblings. My nieces and nephews, it's like a family motto of we show up. And then it's the other vision statement, intentional things like um – um I won't tell them all because some of them are silly. But the last one is don't be lame, which <laughs> covers a lot of things in the family uh, you know, mission statement. It's like, because when you show up, one of them is represent the family. So when you're outside in the world, it's not just you that you're representing. It's It's your spouse. It's your family. It's the people that you come from. And when we have this sense of belonging to something bigger than ourselves, it gives us a sense of well-being. It's stabilizing to our mental health to feel like we belong to something that's special and important even through the times that you're not feeling so special and not really important and maybe it feels kind of ugly you get through those times and then you have those moments where you go oh no this is this is bigger than me and my marriage tree thrives because my husband and I believe in each other and and the the vision we have for what we're leaving behind for our children and that's exciting and When you lose that vision or that plan or that goal, things start to slip. So another idea for the mission statement, and you know that I'm leaving you with homework, right? I'm expecting you all to be working on this marriage mission statement. But a couple other things to include in that is – um, we, you know, many people say don't let the sun go down on an argument. Uh, some people will say it's important to keep inwardly focused and avoid those who might hurt this marriage, so that you stay committed to what it is you are are focused on as a family, uh, to make sure that you love deeply and freely and with trust and honesty. And that goes back to, you know, a bit what Barry and Annie were saying is you have to be willing to kind of crumble in your relationship to rebuild it. You have to be willing to say some of those honest things to get there. Um, the other piece is understanding what is the ideal for marriage? Is it just about falling in love with someone? Well, yes. In the 19th century, we we'll do a history lesson. <laughs> in the 19th century, things shifted. Prior to the 19th century, the 1800s, um, marriage was really about more of a chattel institutional thing. It didn't really have anything to do with love, but bringing families together and the economic benefits. But there was this – the Enlightenment and coming into the 19th century, there was this evolution of the idea of family as a unit being really important and – that couples came together, um, marriage became much more important around the couple because that supported the family unit. A lot of it, especially coming over to the United States, a lot of families that immigrated to the United States were losing that extended family and that cultural support system. So they came to the United States and this focus on you know, the family unit and the marriage became extra important. And so those marriages were really based on mutual affection, emotional satisfaction, and love. And the idea of love at first sight actually came out of the 19th century ideals around marriage. So it's not that marriage is just a business, that there is that sense of wanting to have mutual affection and love and attraction for another person. What What's happened in the last century, though, is this idea that Love and passion die that we have an ongoing narrative that at some point you, you lose that passion for your partner. And, and that narrative has become so strong that a lot of people believe it. And then when things start to falter, they just shrug their shoulders and go, well, you know, not, you don't have attraction for life. But interestingly, there was a study done in Japan many years ago that has proven to be true that you can reignite passion uh, constantly in your marriages, in your relationships, even in long-term relationships, because almost 90% of attraction or intimacy or arousal is in our mind. It's what we think about it and how we get into that space. And so, The other piece of it is when you're with your partner, how do you release that kind of dopamine rush of being together? And it doesn't have to be just through sex, but it can be hugging, sleeping in the same bed, you know, being in close contact, um, being in a space where you're saying kind things to each other, kind words uh, release dopamine in our system. And so there are simple things that we do that we can do that can keep our relationship close. So that's... I feel like I'm going into lecture mode and I want to back up. I don't want to do that because our number is 805-781-3875. We're talking about marriage and what are the things that make your marriage work? What do you feel like is the contract you've made or your intention as a marriage? So I heard Melanie's point. What what are two things you say if you had to write them down on a piece of paper are your mission statement as a couple?
0: Our mission statement is to be um – is number one to have each other's backs. Yeah, I love that. That that is with. You should a doubt. put
1: that on your sampler. We
0: we should. <laughs> okay. We absolutely sure should. The um, the other thing is the thing, and I've uh, I've said many times. Um, relationships are also defined by when things get tough, and mm-hmm. that's part of having each other's back. Mm-hmm. It's very, very easy when times are good yeah, to just is. say, "Hey, this is the greatest thing since sliced exactly. bread." But the minute that something really happens, um, uh, an in-law gets sick, child gets sick, mm-hmm. you have uh, some kind of financial impact on the family. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? Do you turn on each other, or do you, you know, hunker down? And through your your commitment to being together as a team, that you get past that and be, realize that these are only temporary things. The other thing that you mentioned in your previous comments is extremely true. Uh, you know, tenderness is made up of, of hundreds of different moments. It's passing in the kitchen and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, patting, you know, putting your arm around somebody. It's holding hands. You know, we've been together over 30 years at least two or three times a week when we're watching TV and something stupid not nothing like what you're watching but
1: yeah my my documentary yes but
0: we'll sit and we'll hold hands for a little while yeah. you know it's it's these moments that make us feel connected and and make sure that we know that that love is alive are we in our teens and 20s anymore no we are not but we are teaching each other as we move forward what love is as we Move together Age Yeah And the funny thing is And and this is the funniest thing If you look at our prayer group Neither Melanie and I Would ever have said That we were the longest Lasting (laughs) uh, marriage We're going to be Mm -hmm. But we are And there's a reason for that And you know she saved me, you know, much like you say. People who are together in, in these pair bonded relationships have higher uh, incidences of health, and they're mentally more healthy. They feel healthy. They feel part of something, mm-hmm. and I can I wholeheartedly agree with that. Marriage is a good thing, but it's not easy, and no. you have to be willing to occasionally see the the airplane wing just. Brush the ground before you pulled the stick back up. And, yeah, they're easy. Yeah.
1: It's easy to lose your way. And I think that that's uh, something to consider, that it is easy to lose your way. And then the narrative in our culture is very quick to say, that's okay. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. I guess you just didn't make it. And you have to be able to put your fingers in your ears and avoid listening to that narrative. One, because it's not technically true as i talked about at the beginning of the show certain demographic has high rates of divorce but those who are more intentional in their relationships get married a little older have an education behind them do premarital counseling those couples that do premarital counseling have a 36% uh, increase in in relational satisfaction over those who don't because they have a tool chest of things to lean into when things get tough like there there are things we can do but you also have to be willing to sacrifice, make compromises to things that you believe are the most important when you're single and and you have to be willing to let those go and really make that marriage first and foremost and then you know in all things in life there's a little bit of luck <laughs> there there is a little bit of luck because you can have the greatest marriage that was ever created and i've known those couples and then certain things happen in the course of our lifetime um, that really make it difficult to survive and you know what you had mentioned like the death of a child or the death of a parent or so you know and financial uh, chaos or some sort of trauma, those things can make even the best marriages go to their knees and really difficult to come back from, but not impossible to come back from. And part of that marriage commitment or vision statement is a bit of that growing old piece. Um, I, I ask my clients, you know, think about your life from the end of your life. And if you're going to be married for 60 years, and I've said this before, if you're going to be married for 60 years, and I can promise you that 40 of those years are going to be fantastic, just full of love and joy and satisfaction. And 10 of them are going to be tough. You're going to have a hard time and kind of feel like you wonder why you're there. And five are going to be more tough and Make you feel like you probably don't want to be there, and five are going to be so rotten, you wish that you had never gotten married. It's still a really good deal because you've got sixty percent of that of your lifetime in pretty good states, eighty percent of it all right, but twenty percent are inevitably going to be tough and if we look at our marriage in the day to day, we can get caught up in that five percent or ten percent that's really ugly and end up missing that sixty percent that really is fantastic and and worth. The rest of our life. So I encourage you to think about and look for those role models that seem to be doing well. And having mentors as a couple is really helpful to see others that are doing well, that have stuck it out, and maybe talk to them about how they've made it work or what they've done to stick it out. Because another interesting statistic is that couples who surround themselves with other couples that are doing well have higher satisfaction in their relationships. And that's not rocket science, I'm sure, (laughs) because it makes sense, right? Who you surround yourself with really impacts your mental health and well-being. And so one of the mission statements that I mentioned before, which was to avoid those who might harm or hurt our marriage, sometimes we have to move away from relationships that aren't uh, supporting who we are as a couple. And that might feel painful. But again, you have to put the oxygen mask on your relationship first. And then finally, I want to go back to the something that came up during my conversation with Barry Nanny, Annie, is that one of the greatest positives about marriage is the witnessing piece. Because very few of us are going to be famous, you know, and have a legacy like Bach or David Beckham or any, you know, huge celebrity or or a politician. Most of us are going to just live our average life with our group of friends and our family. And at the end of our life, having one person who saw all of our life happen, gives us a sense of richness, and that we mattered, and that life was meaningful. And then we also get to offer that to another person. I know you lived, I saw your life, and it was beautiful. So this has been A Conversation with a Reluctant Therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email to elizabeth at Therapist.com. You can also send me a message through Instagram or Facebook, and I'm happy to respond that way. You can listen to previous shows by visiting kcbx.org and look through all of our archives. Or you can podcast the show to listen at your convenience. Just go to wherever it is you find your podcast, search A Conversation with a Reluctant Therapist, hit subscribe, and you can listen and maybe share it with other people. People, which would be fabulous. Um, I look forward to continuing our conversations into 2024. As always, thank you for listening, tuning in, and supporting Central Coast Public Radio, KCBX.